0: Hey peeps, welcome back to the Growth Lab Podcast. I'm your host Matt Harris and I run the Growth Lab, a lead generation consultancy for cleaning businesses. In today's episode I chat with Samantha Reed, Managing Director of APM Cleaning and Repair. Samantha's background is in electrical engineering and she's grown APM from a franchise business that focused on domestic cleaning into a region-wide commercial cleaning business in the northeast of England. She's also launched the Business of Cleaning, a training academy that offers practical education and cleaning processes for first-time cleaning business owners or corporates who want to improve cleaning standards in today's episode we talk about how documenting every process within her business has allowed samantha to operate a lean organization why samantha chose to pivot from high-end domestic cleaning to commercial cleaning in 2019 why she identified social cleaning as the niche for her business how she mobilized two cleaning contracts on the same day and learning everything that can go wrong with winning a tender, the importance of training and recruitment within a business, using time and motion studies to develop standard cleaning routines and cleaning processes for staff, and how constant learning and improvement, Kaizen. Has been the underpinning of her business, getting 1% better every day. For weekly tips on lead generation and insights on the most successful strategies, tools, and tactics to help grow your cleaning business, sign up for the Growth Lab newsletter by the link in the episode description. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Growth Lab podcast. I am very excited about this episode. I'm here with Samantha Reed managing director of APM cleaning. We've just had a little chat as a warm up before we went on and I'm interested in diving into um, how Samantha got started and also her plans for the future. So Samantha do you want to give us um, a little bit of background about yourself and how you got started in the cleaning industry?
1: Yeah sure um, well thanks for having me first of all Matt. Initially I left engineering because I had my first child and then I was on yeah. the leave and I thought what can I do? <laughs> so that pondered that then I um had my second child and I thought right I've really got to do something now let's get out of control <laughs> so start a cleaning business so I initially I bought um a domestic cleaning franchise actually and okay. it was a, it was a really good one but the franchise all went bust quite quickly Oh wow. um I was quite remote as well they'd been a London-based a London-based company and I was, I was I'm in the northeast of England so mm hadn't really received that much support hindsight i shouldn't have bought a franchise i didn't need it because i worked in manufacturing and and manufacturing um cells are run as business units it was a lack of confidence rather than anything else which anyone who knows me will be quite surprised about that (laughs) but i I hadn't sold anything and i thought i i don't know how to sell you know it it panicked by and it wasn't a particularly expensive yeah. franchise. So I thought, you know, what can go wrong? How hard can it be? But obviously they quite quickly, they went bust. So I continued on and I, I... I would introduced a lot of systems, a lot of methods, which uh, worked for me that I'd set the business up basically as I would as in manufacturing. So we're we're set up quite differently from other cleaning companies that I've come across and, you know, other people in the industry that I know. We're set up very differently and we operate very differently. And that that has its pluses and its minuses. But overall, the way we run it um, has worked for us you know, we're comfortable with change, we're comfortable with evolving and and with a flat structure and taking a lot of responsibility at, at, at a lower level. Okay. So so that's how we run.
0: So just a couple of things from that. One is the sales aspect, which I'll, I'll come back to, but you mentioned that you're, you're set up differently. Like, do you mind just double clicking a little bit on that and, and kind of giving an idea of your, your structure, I guess, or, you know, the the operational way that you, the business works?
1: Yeah. So up until about two years ago, um, in the office was me. And we <laughs> got to quite a decent size. But because um, if I had one skill, it would be that I can simplify things quite easily. Okay. So, and I systemize things. So I, I just put a lot of systems in so that everything happened automatically. So I could do everything. Nice. From um, take appointments to go and attend the quote, write up the quote, send the quote, get the sale, organize the labor, and I could actually help the teams clean if I needed to, um, mm. which happened often as, as as it often does in the beginning. So I didn't really need a back office. I had one, mm. I had a physical office, but I didn't have anybody in it unless I was sat there, which <laughs> was very rare. Let's be honest. So we're we're a very flat structure, is what I would say, and okay. we we have relied and still rely on systems a lot whether that be technology based or even paper based systems but we document everything that probably comes from drawing on my experience from my very early career i was a quality engineer so i got used to documentation okay. and and making sure that everything's is is documented which meant it was very easy to train staff as well because I'd automatically written everything down so that that managed to get us going with no staff other than cleaning staff
0: so you mentioned starting with a franchise did you take some of the the franchise systems and, and build on those or did you like did you develop yours from scratch you kind of thought you know what cleaning business okay this is what I need to get my head around like this is the infrastructure that I want to put in
1: Although the franchise did offer some systems and they actually looked quite good at the face of it. But in yeah. practicality for a non-London based business that wasn't anywhere near the, <laughs> the, the densely populated area it just wasn't working so yeah. you know very quickly I realized I had to develop my own so I, I just took with what I had to work with and, and adapted everything that I knew and what I'd been given one thing that I thought that they were helpful on was getting the concept of scheduling which was quite which was quite good at the beginning and then the, they did give some sales training as well which is, as I say, a crisis of confidence. That's why I bought a franchise in the first place.
0: So, what was the training like? Did it did it give you enough confidence to go out and sell, or did you even rely on systems to kind of do the the selling aspect for you?
1: No, I I, I used the training that they give me. It it allayed the nerves a little bit. I think thinking back, I mean, it's a long time ago now. I was very nervous. Um, I hadn't done anything like that from being in a very uh, strict engineering and manufacturing background where everything is documented. And you, you you know, you follow processes uh, where sales mm. is, is, is science and an art it's it's not quite the same so I was I was terrified I'll be honest but you just got to do it haven't you could jump in yeah you have to and then I got the first one and and I never cashed that check I framed that check on the wall and I thought well nice. that's one I've got yeah <laughs> and just kept going from there but actually grew quite quickly relatively because it's, it's just getting that first one done isn't it yeah, whatever yeah. it is but for and me then, my, right... my fear was sales
0: yeah and then taking the learnings from that right and kind of going okay so what what one element can I improve on next time um, yeah, so, absolutely,
1: and that and that's for everything, isn't it? Just keep improving on it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you started in in um, domestic when we were uh, just before we recorded. You mentioned that you only pivoted into commercial in twenty nineteen. Like, talk to me a little bit about that that decision.
1: Okay, so I, I'd I'd grown the domestic cleaning business to quite a decent size and it was a really good margin on it. Um, and I thought, you know what, I've had enough. I'm going to sell this now and do something different. Mm. And then realised very quickly nobody would buy that business because it was too big for a small independent or a smaller company to buy but the contracts have no value because the domestic contracts yeah. So I, I thought, oh well, it's a little bit late to be discovering this. How stupid am I? but let's get this fixed. <laughs> so then I pivoted. That was it. I made the decision. So then I started looking for formal uh, contracts on the on the, the various portals and yeah. found a couple of um, decent small but decent sized contracts that I could go for. Nice. and then went for my first two and to my surprise, all right, I'm delighted I won both of
0: them and they both started Wait. on the same day. Oh, no. Straight <laughs> <It's rare. laughs> So these were, these were um, government tenders, were they, on the portal yeah. contracts, like the um, small business uh, government tenders? Yeah. How, how was that process? Like how, from someone who was, you know, focused on domestic to then like jumping... Into the deep end and going for tenders, like what? What was that experience like?
1: I, I well, it was it was daunting, um as you might expect, having not for domestics very little paperwork to do, and then to get through the formal tender process, as first the SQ and then the ITA to follow the invitation to tender, ITT. Sorry, that there, there was quite a lot of documentation and quite a lot of writing. I'm not a natural uh, writer. It's, you know, and a, and a bit of it is creative writing as well. But I managed to actually, the first one I did the, for um, a local authority, it was I scored 100%. And that was to their shock oh, and right. to mine. So I, think I I was, I was more shocked. Than, you should well, be framing actually, that
0: tender shocked. as well, All right? Yeah,
1: oh, I have, I have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I got that. And then I got quickly invited to another one. And then I had to do presentations at that one. Um, so that was a little bit nerve wracking as well, because that's not something that I was used to doing. Essentially, just just step changes in different tasks to give confidence um, is how I worked it out with the tenders. Yeah. Every time you do one the first time, it's difficult. The next time it's it's not as difficult. So I just just went with that. Yeah, but right. there was a lot of documentation that I wasn't used to. But fortunately, I'd already. Um, gotten myself ISO 9001 accredited so that ticked a lot of boxes Mm -hmm. and I hadn't by then but I did very quickly go for 14,001 and 45,001 as well so again that made subsequent tenders a lot easier to get because it it takes a lot of the writing out.
0: So you went quite paper heavy early doors because that's a lot of form filling isn't it really?
1: That is a lot of form filling um but because I'd already um, come from a place of document and everything I did anyway,
0: yeah,
1: it wasn't too bad. I had some tweaking to do, but I had everything there because that's how I ran the business. Um, yeah. So for me, the step to get 9001 wasn't massive. It was just reorganizing my paperwork in accordance with the standard rather than okay. having to write everything. And, and what I didn't do, and I wouldn't recommend people to do, is to buy one off the shelf because you're never going to use okay. it. It's... I, I've written all of my own standards, and we've also got two, two, three, or one, which is a yeah. really important one, I believe. So I've written them all, every word from every scratch. But that's how our business runs. Okay. So it's it's not it's not just in namesake. We yeah. actually do do those things. So I, I I find that if you do write it yourself you've got a really good understanding of your business, which can then, because you need those skills, you need to know about your business to be able to win the tenders, to be able to write yeah. the tenders, because no one's going to write as good as you.
0: So have you, have you like developed templates off the back of that, that you can kind of transfer to to tenders going forward? Because I'm guessing that, you know, the tender process is relatively formulaic. They follow a, a certain uh, structure. So have you, you know, over time, as you've applied for more tenders, have you developed you know, a template system. So you're like, okay, I don't need to do that much work. I need to finesse it around the edges, but ultimately, you know, a bit of a drag and drop exercise.
1: Pretty much. Um, But what I found, um, again, I'm not um, a trained writer. I've I've taught myself. I find that every sector is different. So you can have the same question. Yeah. What you think it's asking you the same things, but in a different sector, it's a totally different answer. So yes, I've kind of got formulaic answers but i've got i've got that same answer for all the different sectors that we operate in okay so it's 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 ever evolving i mean some sectors we've not managed to break through yet but it's a matter of time because every rejection go back and ask for your feedback yeah, yeah. You, you can learn more and you just keep tweaking tweaking your offering and and you get there eventually
0: so you must have um quite a um, uh, a hot document management system as well right with all these templates and yeah. processes <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there's quite a lot, and, and somebody we now have someone in the office that manages that for me because I can't keep up with all of that stuff now as well. I still write everything, yeah. although I have used yeah. bid writers in the past. Some I've found to be okay, others I've found not so okay. Um, I've kissed kissed a lot of frogs to get to the good tender writers that I've got on, you know, on speed dial now, but I've also written enough tenders and worked with the good tender writers, bid writers, to not need them all the time now because it can be quite expensive. So okay. when you're trying to grow, typically to get a good bid right up for a, for a tender, that's valued at about 100 to 150K per annum. over yeah. the five, And then times that by five, three to five years, whatever it is, um, you're looking at about six to seven K per bid. Oh, wow. Just for the tender okay. support. And then in my, this, this is only my experience. And again, I don't do it like everyone else does. So, but it takes me a good month to do a, to do a really good bid. Mm. For a big ten you know what i would consider a decent size tender you look at it about yeah. the half a million mark it's about it's about a month by the time you've done okay. slight like visits and then you've priced it and you've written it and you've tweaked it and you've you know finessed it yeah. so it's a it's a big commitment so of my time plus a bid writer's time gets very expensive very quickly
0: and how how many of those sorts of tenders would you would you go for in a year have you do you set out do you set a target you know this year we're going to go for x number of tenders? Or you, or do you pick on an ad hoc basis when a good tender comes up? Only then, and it meets certain criteria, only you then you'll go for it.
1: So, so that's a really good question. Um, because we only pivoted in two thousand nineteen. I think I went for a further two subsequent to the first two that I won, and yeah. didn't win those. And then oh, that's not true. I did win one. I did win one. So I won <laughs> three out four. So that's yeah, nice. not true. <laughs> um, but then the next one was starting in twenty twenty surprise, surprise, we all know what happened. So I actually had to mobilize during during COVID lockdown and the client had actually forgotten that we were mobilizing because everyone else had furloughed and they were just thinking, oh, no. oh my God, what are we gonna do? But then I just yeah. got on and mobilized it. I just did it anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was good. But then the, um couple of things happened during that period was one, uh, a lot of the inorgan- organizations weren't posting contracts up for tender because their staff weren't working. Certainly not going to change, you know, from one supplier to another in that sort of circumstance. And we also had the Brexit where all the portals changed. So I went in during that period, I went for anything that came up and figured I will just practice. I'll use this as a practice. Uh, So anything and everything that came up, whether it was in my sector or not my sector, I I just honed my skills. And I did spend a lot of money because I thought, well, now's the time to learn. I'd used. Yeah. It. I found a good bid writer, so I worked with them and learned everything I could from them as well. But actually, I I have found throughout throughout this whole time with my business is that if I put the effort in, I might not win then, but it'll come good later on. So yeah. I learned skills which enabled us to then get into the blue light sectors. Okay. And it, it wasn't about necessarily my cleaning skills or knowledge within the business because that's pretty tight anyway. It was more about yeah. writing to win. During during COVID, we also secured our first fire service contract. So that nice. was a win, but on the back of a few losses, you know. But if you're not earning, you're learning. Yeah, but you were getting the <laughs> That's reps. Yeah, I, I looked at it. Yeah, you yeah, were getting the reps, in, right? The
0: the practice and yeah. building that knowledge and the experience, to, which, like you said, obviously pays off in the long run. Yeah. So I just want to go back to when you won your first couple of tenders you mentioned you had to mobilize them both on on the same day so you've you've jumped from domestic which you know with all due respect is is it's a little bit simpler to manage to then going full board into two tenders mobilizing on the same day like talk to me about that experience and how what you learned out of that and
1: yeah it it was it was a little bit hairy i'm not gonna lie mostly because we're very lean so i don't have a massive management team still don't have a massive management team so and you can't be in one place more than one place at the same time and one of the contracts is over seven large sites over the whole of county durham which is a big geographical area um and then the other one for social housing because that was extra care facilities for social housing I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred sites, but it, it was easy because I could schedule that. And that the scheduling for that was very similar to how I would schedule domestic clients because yeah. clearly we're traveling in between and we use vehicles. I never did it with just cleaners going direct. So I found the social I thought the social housing was going to be the most challenging one because it had more sites and this not all of the staff tupied. This was the first time I'd done tupee as well, of course. But that one was really easy. Um the, the one I thought that was gonna be easy where I had more staff transferring, um, and you know, only less than 10 sites i thought that would be easy and that was horrific i had to change from the legal support that i had to some really meaty meaty legal support because everything that could go wrong on that transfer went wrong basically because i had a severely really really aggressive incumbent who was not happy at losing so i had almost daily meetings with the local authority asking me to explain myself because of things that sabotage that was getting done to us and all sorts of horrible things but I learned pretty much everything that can go wrong on a mobilization in that one instance and I was in legal battles with some of the staff that had transferred to me for almost a year it was a very expensive learning curve we ended up with um, even safeguarding issues um for those staff but then they technically they worked for me then so it's, technically it was my problem yeah. to fix so you know on, on all aspects but what i learned very quickly was you need really robust legal support you okay. can't you can't be in commercial cleaning without it um certainly when you, you when you're transferring staff that's the most litigious area of, of contracts that i know of um in, yeah. in, in our arena so yeah so i learned i learned how to treat the staff well and how to not treat be staff well oh, man. very quickly. <laughs> you know, yeah so yeah you I would say by that yeah. end of that first year um yeah th- there's very little was going to surprise us after that
0: how have things gone since then so obviously you know that you won your first three out of four tenders amazing then you went through uh, a period of, of learning um have you um you mentioned focusing on on sectors so blue lights is it sort of more local authority is, is that your your sort of target area is that we, what you focus on
1: we, we like to say that we're in social cleaning um so okay. wherever people are in need or we're supporting our local community that's what we want to do um we find social housing cleaning to be really easy for us the way that we're set up okay. it's very similar to if we, we we transfer the skills that we learn in domestic cleaning in, in high-end domestic properties and we apply those to social housing which makes us different in that just right there that makes us different so we okay. pay the attention to detail um i developed something that we call internally work orders so that we are not missing a cobweb in a corner we're not missing polishing mm-hmm. a door plate and this is in social housing which frankly not many other people go to that level of detail yeah. so we do really well but it because I had made um, systems to do that sort of thing in my domestic cleaning experience it was just really easy it's really easy to shine is what I would say in in social housing we're not perfect because you know you're as good as your last clean and sometimes you've got not the best staff and people can have an off day so we're never perfect I just have to say that but by and large our standards are really high really high and, and, and particularly in a sector that is not known for its high standards so okay. we, we shine in that um so if we see those coming up we're going for them all day long doesn't mean we can okay. win them because the, winning the bid is a different thing to deliver in the service but we would sure. never even think twice about being able to deliver that service blue light is is different so we have fire service and police contracts at the minute and they are very very different to run in that, um, for the fire service, for example, we provide, we certainly provided COVID cleaning all the way through that period and off shift, off standard shift cleaning, and we cover their staff's, their directly employed staff's holidays. Still, that contract expired because that was for the period, but we're still servicing. They'll keep us on there forever now because they they love the support. And we found we have certain systems um, that are not transferable to blue light. So we had to learn very quickly. So, for example, we're based quite heavily. One of the simple tools that we use is WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp. So in our office and every senior manager, we have a photograph of every single clean, multiple photographs of every single clean that we do every single day. So we've got mm-hmm. thousands of WhatsApps coming in every day, mm. uh, which means that we can have a measure of our service levels and definitely have proof of attendance and, and all, of, all of that kind of thing. And we've got duty care at the staff to make sure they're all right and they're checking in. And th- it's quite a lot of boxes it ticks by doing that very simple thing. But Blue Light Service is not allowed to use WhatsApp. So uh-huh. we. But then I had a one-hour response time across the whole of the northeast for all the fire stations. That's quite... Um, quite a challenge um mm. but it it's not for us if we use our systems okay. because i set up labor and have staff on call and do all the things that you would think to do but the one hour response time if we weren't using whatsapp was a big challenge so again one of one of my things is what is the challenge can we make it simple so i just gave them a phone i said well you can't use whatsapp but here's my phone it's got whatsapp it's yeah. nothing else on it I made a big lovely sign saying in emergency, which makes me laugh. <laughs> Press this button. <laughs> big thing, point to my APM phone. So <laughs> I was like emergency service for an emergency service, which nice. honestly just the kept irony me going is all hilarious. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Still. <laughs> it was just it was genius. But I mean it was nothing, but it was genius because yeah. they couldn't see a way around. How can we do this? And I went, well, let's just give you a phone.
0: Yeah, nice, Brilliant. thinking outside the box. So
1: yeah, just small things like that. So we we can deliver one hour response time across the whole of the northeast for that contract, and we still yeah. do if we need it. So you know, we're we're on their supplier list. We're not coming off anytime soon. Touch nice, word, of course. Yeah, um, as long as we continue to do what we do. So, but we learned a lot then of le- of dealing with that blue light sector which then enabled us with our experiences on other contracts to then get a a police contract which again runs very differently so every time we go into a new sector it's, it's learning it's learning about that sector there's one thing to learn about how to write to win a bid yeah it's another thing to learn how to deliver yeah yeah and we're still learning on how to keep because we haven't come up for renewal yet so we'll have to watch that space we've got to learn how to make sure that we keep it because that's what's the point if you're not keeping it um well it sounds like the the service delivery is
0: there yeah it sounds like the service delivery is there so you know keeping it yeah Hopefully, fingers crossed, obviously we'll, we'll yeah. go as, as well as you anticipate, right?
1: We hope. But you never know because when they've got to go out for tender, they've got to go out for tender. Yeah. And it's it's not the guy, what, what you've done in the past doesn't count to what, to what that big decision is. It's not those, they're not the decision makers. So. Yeah, it's true. It gives everyone, you know, a, a new, it's, it keeps the competition going, keeps you on your toes. So. Yeah. That's that's the next thing to learn because because we only came into commercial in two thousand nineteen, we've not hit that yet where we're where you know I'll be devastated if we lose any contracts, but at some point it's gonna happen, you know, I'm yeah. a realist. So we we constantly just pushing and pushing so that we're constantly building up our infrastructure within the areas which means can get our costs down as well of course
0: yeah yeah for sure it just means a constant evolution as as well as you've already experienced with you know going from Mm -hmm. domestic to commercial mobilizing two big contracts on the same day and you know the experiences with chupy and bid writing and everything like that it's just adding another layer onto onto you know Mm -hmm. the success that you already have so just thinking back to um uh, the sectors that you're in now, was it a conscious decision to move into those, or was it just a case of because you went onto the the uh, the tender port, was you were like, look, like this is, let's just apply and see what happens, and and the um. decision was made for you, for you off the back of that.
1: No, it was a dis- it was a deliberate decision. It was very conscious okay. um, because I tried to learn my lessons, and when yeah. I realised the domestic business had no value, I thought, I'm going to build value into this business. So to build value in the business, if you've got public sector contracts, that's where the value is. Yeah, they're committed. They have to engage your services for that period of time, as long as I don't mess up, of course. Sure, but then I, I got contracts for five years so five years value when when i do come to sell a business somebody's buying out of future profits there's got to be profit there the contracts have got to be there they've got to be strategically worthwhile contracts as well so I'm just trying yeah. to build as much value into the business as I can but i will keep a diversified portfolio of clients because when one sector's down another sector's up so it's important to keep a mix as well yeah this is how is. i'm trying to build strength and resilience in the business
0: and one thing you mentioned about uh, obviously service delivery and looking at your your team and, and the staff that you have i'm guessing training is at the core of of providing the standard of service that you provide how how have you evolved you know the the training processes within the business and as an extension of that, also recruiting the right people for your business to enable you to continue to grow.
1: okay, so there's two very, very different answers in that. Um, so the trainings evolved from from day one. A lot of um perceptions about domestic cleaning is that it, and I think you said something similar yourself is that it's easier to manage yeah. It's genuinely not. If, if you've got high-paying clients at the top-end mm-hmm. households, they're a little bit demanding, you know. I, I'm, I was getting <laughs> really good money. <laughs> I was getting some really good clients. They like <laughs> perfection. So yeah. so what I developed was um, a, a method of training my staff and ensuring that we could deliver a program of what looked on, looks on the face of it. And, you know, we still do this as a bespoke package for that client. They think, they thought were getting a bespoke package for them for their house down to the smallest detail but actually i put a vehicle in place that we could deliver that but it was just rinse and repeat for me but the client didn't know that so those skills and scheduling across quite a broad region uh, in the northeast of england there's pockets of wealth of course there's wealth everywhere but there's pockets of the, the wealthy clients that i was targeting and a lot of them are in rural areas so Generally, if you're in a city um, in the centre of Newcastle, of course, you've got a lot of wealth there. You've also got a lot of people that would like to work as cleaners to deliver that service. In rural, you've got some fantastic stately homes in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody nearby that wants a service (laughs) because they can't afford to live there. So logistically, you've you've got those challenges as well. So I, I started in the domestic as I meant to go on. So I never ran a business from home. I didn't want anything, anyone near my children. Mm. I ran the business. I took an office, and I took the pain on, you know, paying for that when I could have run it from home, but I, I chose not to. And I also chose from day one to buy my own vehicles and run my own vehicles. So my staff started out being scheduled from my then premises and, and back to the premises with all of the kit on there, smartly uniformed, you know, all all of the stuff that mm. then is transferable into commercial sector. Yeah. So I kind of started learning back day one um and just evolved yeah. and documented that so from the training back in the olden days <laughs> could do that do i would i would take them into my somebody's house whatever i've got i've got some properties as well into a house and yeah. um, i have a stopwatch on and we'd do the methods. so it was a time and motion oh, wow. study in a set routine and then we developed it so yeah i'd sit with my stopwatch um and there'd be a set routine um top to bottom left to right you know just around the room moving things in the right order so it it turned out a really high level clean but actually it was just process it was all process and because i've done that i could transfer that into the training packages that we got and because I, I i'm fanatical about documenting everything i've sort <laughs> of built up the manuals as i've gone um mm. so there's a there's a, a there's a wealth of training information within the business because because i write everything down it's just it's a hang up but that a appears
0: habit. off. Nah, it's not a hang up yeah, it's a, it's habit. a, it's habit. a habit. It's yeah, a good habit. It's a
1: good habit. It's a good habit. Is that how the, the business of it,
0: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Is that how the business of cleaning came about? Or was that an idea that you you had sort of from day one as well?
1: I had that idea from day one. I just never had the time. As I say, it was quite silly and I grew the business quite big, but it was just me running everything, which with hindsight is a silly thing to do because what I should have really been doing was developing my staff earlier and getting them to take on some of the workload. But we are where we are. So I thought about doing it and then didn't do it until now. We're just starting that now. So we're setting up the business of cleaning. Um, It's it's just, it's replicating what we we train staff in-house. But we also, because now we've got management structure in place, I've had to train those managers. And what I usually do with the managers is I grow them in-house. I'll recruit to a certain level and then develop them from there. Because then the the question of the recruitment comes on. I only ever recruit on core values. I really look at nothing else. I've learned a lot, you know, so many bad hires that I've made where I thought everyone on paper is perfect. They've got the right experience. You know, they're saying all the right things. I just don't quite like them, um, but I hired them <laughs> against myself. You know, I think, you know, I'm I'm clearly being a pain in the neck here. You know, yeah. I don't have to love everybody, but actually I do for, in this business because it's I've got a really good, a good instinct and I should never go against it. But I have many times trying to be more professional, in my opinion, of what yeah. I thought would be. But actually, it's always bit me. It's bit me on the backside. I should always go with you know core values matched core values our core values are that we like to help people you know we yeah. like to be profitable don't get me wrong but we sure. we don't do it in a bad way and we're always honest and if honest hard work and, and team team players and that's what we've got now and I'm really happy with the crew that we've got but we've made plenty of mistakes on the way
0: yeah you know as you do in um in business and look I'm curious obviously you've you've had like a, a little bit of a roller coaster for sure to get you to to this point right but what what do you think has been like one of the the sort of key underpinnings to to the growth of your business what what has kind of been a consistent theme
1: constant learning kazen constant improvement mm-hmm. we have a saying and it's not my saying um but it's within the business it's one percent improvement on everything every day that's okay. it nice. so if, if i'm if i'm moving stock from here to there how can i do it one percent better tomorrow yeah you know, gets, And then we put it in and, and we just Bumps do that. But if everybody in the business is doing that, the the acceleration is quite rapid on everything you touch. So and, and that is the goal. I mean, the staff laugh and the groan because I'm quite often out of the <laughs> office. But when I come back, we'll, we'll, I, well, well, what have you done? What's new? And they have to, the, the, you know, they're looking to show me, well, I, I did this and I've labeled that and I've moved this here and it can be small, but yeah. they add up um, and it makes us better every time we've never made improvements and come off worse because if not we've learned so small tweaks constantly small tweaks we know we don't take big steps although it sounds like it from the outside but actually they're not it's just the culmination of lots of small improvements on everything and the fact that the team do it as well it's not just me I don't come in and bark what can we make better um you know everyone's suggesting and we're all working in, the, you know, as a common goal. How, how can we make this easier? What can we do? How will this look better? How is it more comfortable? How will the client perceive us as being better? All of those things from, from, you know, ordering stock to folding toilet rolls you know, at at every level and everyone is doing the same
0: thing. Sounds like you've learned from the experience of of bad hires and and you've kind of invested in in developing that culture so that Mm. you're only hiring the people that are going to buy into that. So that, that almost makes it a a non-issue because you know that you're, you're already hiring the right people. They're aligned with your values. So they're buying into, you know, the constant growth and that sort of culture piece is often overlooked for for small for growing businesses either way because mm. you know that that gives you an underpinning to kind of to consistently improve and grow your business right
1: yeah i think i, I definitely think that's at the core of of our growth and our success is that that's just the way we are yeah. we all care we support our staff and and if our staff see one of the other staff members you know somebody I never see is struggling they'll come to me and say what can we do about this that is the culture um yeah. you know and and it and it goes on and I don't want I spend a lot of time at work and so do all of these guys we don't <laughs> want to be around people we don't like
0: yeah it's
1: <laughs> too much yeah. time here you know I see more of these guys I work I do by myself
0: kids. what does that say about me <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I should work by myself <laughs> Yeah. it's it's, no, it's fun though, but they, they, they do, they, they support each other, they they want to, you know, everyone wants to go to work and do a good job, everyone wants to go to work and have a pleasant time, you know, it's work, Yes. Yeah. not everyone's going to be as invested as, as the next person, but nobody wants to come and be sat next to someone who's struggling or someone who's upset or someone who's not pleasant to be around, or someone who's not quite on the same page with, you know, how you should treat people, that's just who we are, and, um, you know, well quite multicultural we just are nice. we always have been from day one so it's it's just it's 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 a good place to work to be honest yes. I, I never come in and feel a bad atmosphere even if I've been away for months It's not it's always harmony
0: that's good <coughs> well look Samantha we've been on for um, <coughs> almost 40 minutes so I've got one more question and then I've got a couple of fire mm-hmm. questions to ask you so okay my last big question is what's one lesson that your business has taught you that you think every other cleaning business owner should learn
1: never forget what job the people are doing I still clean now and again I think it's really important that you don't forget you you know what started what actually brings the money in because if you do and I've seen this happen with bad hires I've made and even good hires who've become too removed is then they start overloading staff and that makes staff unhappy yeah you can't forget what job it is that they're doing um so it also keeps you appreciating your staff and if you're in a good appreciating mood everybody is you, you can feel the vibe and you got to remember that nobody puts you effort doing that like you do
0: yeah nobody's going to be that committed uh, I've got two um, quick fire questions one is uh, what are the three non-negotiable skills that you feel are essential to you growing your cleaning business
1: people skills whether it's with your staff your clients suppliers everybody you meet you've got to hone your people skills um, understand your numbers if you don't understand your numbers you're in trouble straight away um, yeah. and constantly improve that would be my top
0: three. And what's the one piece of advice you'd give to a younger version of yourself just starting out your cleaning business? Go for a just commercial. Do it now. No, no, I'm joking.
1: <laughs> okay, could, be. No, could be. It's a learning curve. <laughs> um, just do it now. Lack of confidence, don't let it stop you. Just do it now, you get perfect later.
0: Well, look, Samantha, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a great conversation. I know there's uh, definitely f- a few nuggets in there for the listeners to pick up. Where where can people find you online and connect with you? Where's the best place? Um,
1: I'm on Samantha Reid on LinkedIn. That's the best place to find me. Um, yeah. Pretty much APM Clean's on LinkedIn as well. But that's our main social media channel. You'll find us on there, or you can contact us directly. We're, we're on website, www.apmcleaninglimited.co.uk. You can get us straight there. We're always around. We, you know, happy to chat.
0: And if you want some training, head to the Business of Cleaning.
1: That's absolutely. And that's www.thebusinessofcleaning.shop. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Nice huh? one. <laughs> nice one,
0: Samantha. <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for your time. And uh, I'll leave you to crack on with the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, that. Thanks to Samantha for joining us on the Growth Lab podcast. And thanks to you guys for listening. You can access the show notes and additional resources via the link in the episode description. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others who you think find it useful across social media or leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am underscore Matt Harris, That's M-A-T-T-H-A-R-R-I-S to catch all the latest from the Growth Lab and how to generate more contract opportunities for your cleaning business. See you next time, and remember, if your cleaning business isn't growing, it's dying.